Hey everyone, and thank you so much for joining me. It's been two weeks, so I've really missed you. Uh, Alright, let's go ahead and jump right into this, because there's been this one sort of massive piece of news that we really ought to confront, because there's actually a lot to unpack in this whole thing. And so that is the fact that a, a leak was leaked of an initial draft of the majority opinion of the Supreme Court of the United States showing that the prior opinions in the famous Roe vs. Wade case were wrong and should be overruled. I'm going to try and cover this in a way that makes sense to people who are both, you know, domestic and also international. So, the Roe vs. Wade case is infamous. It is the case that made abortion legal, so, yeah, legal throughout the United States in contrast to what we had before that, which was a mixture based upon different, um, Different states. Different states had their own different policies on the basis of the fact they had different people living inside of the states who had different opinions on the topic. Then, of course, the the Supreme Court came in in a sort of dictatorial manner and said, no, in fact, in fact, because of women's privacy, which is exactly how they framed this, abortion has to be legal throughout the land. And I'll get to that in a little bit more later. But first, what I want to say is, rolling back abortion protections at the Supreme Court of the United States does not automatically mean that abortion is is suddenly banned throughout the U.S. in every state. That's not what it means at all. It simply means that we are deferring the question back to the states. And so that's something to sort of like bear in mind. There is so much hysteria, but it's like, hold up. These people who are so hysterical about this this new draft, as it as it is, um. They are the people who care so much about democracy, supposedly, but they're also the very same people who are arguing that they don't want democracy in this case. They don't even want the, you know, a republic. They don't want the democratic process in any sort of element. What they want is a dictatorship. They want some sort of, you know, dictator-like figure in this case, the Supreme Court, to come in and say, no, abortion is legal in every state in the land, you know, up until birth, there can be no exceptions, um, this is the way it is, screw democracy. These are the same people who, you know, give it a month or two to when the actual ruling co comes out, and they'll be walking down the streets saying, whose streets, our streets, and what is that slogan about? What's it indicative of? The fact that they have some ownership in the property on the basis of the democratic process, that they have some sort of... Uh, innate control over the way that the country is going or ought to go. That's the entire argument. These people love democracy? Really? Do they? Because it seems like on any of the issues in which they care most, they don't care that much about democracy. At least not if the democratic process um, doesn't work in their favor. It's not just in the case of abortion. This is exactly the same case that we went to with gay marriage, right? It was, well, you know, we're going to go state by state and we're going to convince people that gay marriage is equivalent to, uh, to to real marriage, and that didn't work. They weren't able to convince people, most especially, interestingly enough, they weren't able to uh, convince uh, black voters and Hispanic voters, especially in places like California. And so for that reason, they said, you know what, screw the democratic process, screw democracy, no matter what they, whatever they chant, it doesn't matter. Instead, let's go ahead and get this written in stone, so to speak. And so that's what they attempted to do, is bypass all of the all of the edicts that they stand upon and say we don't actually care about any of that stuff not really what we just want is our stuff passed and we don't care how we have to do it because we don't really care about democracy that much at all or at all uh, and so instead we're going to use these dictators that's what happened so now we have this document that's coming out um that indicates that the supreme court is ready to roll back roe versus wade um that is that dictatorial process, right, that, that came to the conclusion that, yes, we should have abortion legal throughout the United States in violation of what the individual states want. Well, this was leaked. It was leaked way ahead of time. We shouldn't be expecting this for several months. And yet we have the first draft being released to the public and released through Politico and everything else. No, it was through Politico, sorry. These are the same people. <laughs> who talked about the undermining of our institutions when Trump was in office. And now, not so much. Now that doesn't really matter so much. Now they're not worried about undermining the institution being the Supreme Court of the United States 
eh, not so worried about undermining it at all because you're undermining it in multiple ways not just by attempting to cause riots that would put pressure upon these justices, more on that in a minute, but you're also undermining it by trying to cause internal conflict within so that these people cannot trust each other, cannot trust their clerks, and so on. The Supreme Court of the United States has confirmed the authenticity of the document, so we at least know that we are talking about something that is real, as opposed to something that was sort of invented by, you know, some leftists trying to get people worked up. That's not the case. It is a real document, and Justice uh, Roberts, or I think it's Chief Justice Roberts, has ordered an investigation into the leak. Um, thank you for the donation, Como Cities. Appreciate that. Right, hold on a sec. Okay, so I did notice that after this leak took place, though, protesters were there within hours. And this is Washington, D.C., right? And suddenly they were all just right there, ready, right after the release of this document, again, through Politico. So, I mean, we have a sort of organized process once again. This isn't something that just spontaneously happened. This wasn't like there was an expectation of release, okay? Because it wasn't like... We're, we're sitting around, we know that they've come to their conclusion, we're waiting for the official release of the document, and then it comes out. No, that's not what happened. This is, again, months ahead of time, shouldn't have come out yet, and did. So there should have been no preparation for this entire thing. But instead, there were some pretty big crowds out there in Washington, D.C., in front of the Supreme Court, you know, like their little insurrection. If we're going to use their games, you know, if January 6th was, was an insurrection, then okay. The moment they start pounding on the Supreme Court doors, we're going to call it the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, at some point you just have to say, well, you know, your rules, guys. Uh, I do want to go back in time, though, because this is um, obviously the, the Biden administration. Oh, so we're told, right? It's, it's, it's the Biden administration. He's in control, so we're told. But if you go back in time, you see that Biden is someone who has been traditionally, or I should say back in time, anti-abortion, and for good reason. I'm not chastising him for being anti-abortion, of course. But on, uh, on April 7th, 1994, Senator Biden, at that time he was the senator, wrote a letter to a constituent that just got um, released. I wouldn't say leaked because it's released, I think, by the constituent. But in any case, you can take a look at that over here. I hope you can still hear me. It looks like the mic is still working. Okay, good. Um, and if you look at the bottom of the second uh, paragraph there, uh, he goes on about how on no, no fewer than 50 occasions, he voted against federal funding for abortions. And again, I'm not chastising him for this. I, I absolutely think that's a good thing. I don't think we should have federal funding for abortions. But we, we do. Is, is it... It's more of an around-about sense than, it ought, than you'd expect. But in any case, we are absolutely funding things like Planned Parenthood. We refuse to stop doing that. Planned Parenthood then goes ahead and says, well, we're not, we're not using it for abortions. We're using it for all of those mammograms that we do. And it's like, that's not how money works. No. I mean, if I've got two things to do and one person funds one thing that I have to do, then I'm going to use my residual money for the other thing. I mean, if, if, if I'm even going to play the game. So that's how money works. Money's kind of fluid in that regard. I hope you can't hear my dog who's attacking different things. Um, yeah, he's really increasing the professionalism of this show. Um, anyway, so in, in March of 1986, he told the Catholic Diocese newspaper that, quote, abortion is wrong from the moment of conception, unquote. So this is interesting, though, because this is a person who has contemplated the issue, has decided that life begins at the moment of conception, otherwise abortion wouldn't be wrong, right? So he, he's already made that kind of uh, determination came th and therefore came to the conclusion that abortion is wrong and and now he now he's the opposite. Now he's like, eh, but, but politics. That is at least the way that it seems to me. And again, he was Catholic and that kind of goes pretty well with the whole... Uh, Abortion is wrong from the moment of conception. That's what the Catholic Church teaches and everything. Now he still identifies as being Catholic, but 
the same time, he's also trying to ramrod abortion through. He's been encouraging people. I mean, to the degree that he's in control of his own faculties, right? I mean, because it does seem like he has handlers, but let's just presume that he's in control of his own faculties. Um, he's also talking about passing federal laws so that as soon as Roe versus Wade gets revoked, for want of a better word, um, then, then, then we can ban it at the federal level still, still sort of removing some control from the state, you might say. The organization called Ruth Sent Us published a map containing each of the home addresses of all the Supreme Court justices who are planning to, to vote in this particular regard. They titled the map Extremist Justices. Because they they want to protect the unborn, they're the extremists, according to this group called Ruth Centers. Now, protesters have been asked to go directly to the homes of these Supreme Court justices, and you know harass them and scream on their front lawns and so on. Like some of these justices have small children. I know Amy Coney Barrett has what seven, I think, kids. I mean, this whole thing is evil. And again, it's not over, I mean, it, it's over the fact that these justices are trying to actually protect human life. And that's what just kind of makes it um, that much worse, I think. The, the, they're doing something that just seems so, like, obviously good. For example, even if you didn't believe, for a second, even if you didn't believe that life began at conception, let's say you believe that it began at eight weeks, or you believe that it began at 12 weeks, all right? Whatever it is, if you're, you're judging it by heartbeat or brain activity or wherever you draw the line, then you look at somebody who believes that, in fact, no, the life is at conception. How can you look at that person with a sense of hatred for their attempt to protect life? That's the part that I struggle to even relate to, because I can't. I, I can't possibly imagine um, wanting violent acts to be committed against those people or trying to harass them into bending to my will, which is what they're talking about. If you don't know, by the way, uh, Ruth sent us this uh, leftist organization is a reference to Ruth Ginsburg, of course, who was the notorious uh, leftist justice uh, who died not that long ago. And... It's interesting is that people think that she was like really pro Roe versus Wade. She was pro abortion, but she thought that Roe versus Wade was very badly done and would inevitably be revoked because it was very lousy written. Well, lousily written, if lousily is a word. In any case, yeah. So that's what that's about. They're also talking, these same people, about targeting churches. So I want to go ahead um, and show you something. All right. Let's see where, I've, where I put it. Here we go. So this is from Ruth St. Us, as you can see, that organization I was talking about. It says, whether you are Catholic for choice, ex-Catholic, of other or no faith, recognize that six extremist Catholics set out to overturn Roe. Stand at or in a local Catholic church on Sunday, May 8th. Hashtag war on women. Hashtag Mother's Day strike. All right. So let's talk about this then. Because now they're talking about targeting churches. So again, as I was talking about a minute ago, right? We were talking about how I'm not really sure how these people can sort of morally justify their actions when they're going after the Supreme Court justices for an attempt at helping, uh, you know, protect unborn life. Well, now we're going a little step further. Now we're like, now let's show up at the, at the churches and let's target the clergy. I don't mean to be facetious here, but... At what point does a person look in the mirror and say, okay, I think I'm the bad guy? Because to me, I mean, look, I, I realize that we all have different degrees of what we can justify in ourselves. We have all, if you look back throughout your own history, um, justified some things that should not have been justified and so on. That's, it's the human condition. Um, but at a certain point, you have to say, okay, if I'm going to the church to harass the clergy and to harass worshippers because they care about the unborn who I want to kill, maybe I'm not the good guy in this. I'm not trying... I mean, you know, it's, it sounds so extreme that it's like it's a joke, but that's where we are. These people are plotting a nationwide um, attack on the churches because the churches 
have the audacity to say that these people are committing a sin and are, you know, are doing something evil. And yes, it's wine night. Abortion is a very dark topic, so, you know, we'll take the edge off a bit. But, um, yeah, th these, when they're showing up at churches, I think it's interesting, though, because they're showing up at these Catholic churches, because I guess the Catholic church is one of very few at this point who will openly speak on certain moral issues, most especially abortion. It hasn't uh, backed down any on that, and it's not going to. So I, I am... I'm pleased that's the case, that they're not going to. But also, I think it's really telling that you've got all these different people who are showing up and they're saying, hey, this one sort of source that's unwilling to bend, we will make them bend. And that's ultimately what's going on. And as it comes to Sunday, um, people should be paying attention to what, what happens. I do think that there'll be some acts of violence. I don't think they'll be covered by the media. Because we've already seen that. I mean, how much violence have you seen covered by the media thus far? I mean, I'll, I'll get to some of it in a little bit, but as, as you look around the country, there has already been some uh, clinics targeted and so on. Uh, and this hasn't been covered in the mainstream news because they don't want to cover the individual acts of violence by their side. And make no mistake, when you're looking at the media, you are talking about the political left. They're the same. They're one and the same. They're just different sort of branches, you might say, of the same political... Uh, the same political side. Oh, and I wanted to show you, actually. Uh, there's this sort of prediction as to what would happen uh, when Roe vs. Wade uh, gets uh, cancelled. We'll go with cancelled. Okay, so here we are. And this is the, the map put out by Time magazine showing you essentially what we expect would happen as far as the state laws, okay? So I was talking before about the fact that it would it varies one state at a time, right? Different states have different laws. Some of these states have special contingencies so that in the event that um, Roe vs. Wade is struck down in one way or another, automatically abortion gets banned in their state. And if you look, and then they call them these trigger laws, and that's a pretty common term for them. So that those states that are in red you automatically would have an instant action in which abortion would be banned in those states. Um, and in the states that are orange, you have states where you can expect at least some restrictions put in place. And, I mean, just being straight here, I don't know of any American that I've ever spoken to who doesn't think that some restrictions ought to be the case. And I know these people exist, because I've seen them. I've seen the Shout Your Abortion crowd. I just don't think I've ever had you know, a direct interaction with one of these um, people who who feels that way. The vast majority of, of Americans think that at some point we should have restrictions. You know, I, I honestly think that, you know, it, life begins at conception and therefore we should, we should ban abortion. But there are plenty of people who say it's six weeks and eight weeks and ten weeks and twelve weeks. You don't have many people, in my experience, that want to do it any later than that. And that's really interesting because when you look at the the laws as, as it is right now, that's not what we're doing at all. We're actually saying much later than that, it's perfectly okay. And most Americans don't agree with that. That's interesting because supposedly those on the left care so much about democracy, except they don't, which goes back to our very initial point that these people don't care about democracy, don't care what you know the people want at all. They want to overrule that and say that you know all abortions should be legal all the time because they want it because it's a type of convenience. And I'm sorry, your convenience doesn't outweigh the life and rights of a child. And ultimately, and here's here's the real thing: when you're talking about the the rights of the child, you're talking about all of them. Right? Because if you if you end the life of the child, then he or she doesn't get to have any of the experiences that he or she would have had, doesn't get to, to exert any of the rights that he or she would have had, doesn't get to reproduce and produce the its own family that it would have had the opportunity to do. You're ending all of that when you end his or her life. That's, that's the only way um, to see it. That's, that's just simply the way that it is. And, um, yeah, most people, uh, I shouldn't say that, I have heard that some people make the argument that abortion laws wouldn't make any difference, that, you know, it would basically be the same. Someone would just travel and that would be it, right? 
I've heard that. But on what basis do people who are supposedly on our side assert that? Because abortion uh, supporters certainly think that abortion laws will make a difference, else they wouldn't be quite so upset. And that's, I think, particularly interesting. It's like, well, if these abortion laws are so impotent, then why are you fighting so hard against them? And that's what we find to be the case. Oh, and I wanted to show you the uh, attacks on the uh, pregnancy crisis centers. Let me go ahead and pull that up. I got like tons of media for this show, sorry. Okay, so here we are. And this is from, you know, one of these verified Twitter accounts. She has the check mark. But anyway, um, Antifa pro-abortion men are attacking and putting out hits on pregnancy centers in Portland, Oregon, because it drives pro-abortion men to violent rage to think that women will have support to choose life. And then if you look at the um, the picture on the left where you've got some vandalism there, and this, the second word is an acronym that says CPCs. The CPCs uh, is, cri is crisis pregnancy centers, okay? So these are centers that exist for women who have usually unexpected pregnancies to get the support that they need in order to be able to raise the kid, right? In order to be able to offset the cost, in order to be able to get diapers, in order to be able to um, have help with the actual cost of birthing and delivery, all of that. Uh, some of them actually help with uh, getting these women housing and all of that. These are incredibly good uh, people who run this. You've heard the trope that those who are pro-life are actually just pro-birth. I have heard it for, for many years. The truth is that many of them aren't. I've, I know a woman, I have the privilege of, of knowing a woman who runs one of these uh, clinics, one of, the, one of the best people that I know, and it's like they exist throughout the United States. People don't know about them enough, and so women who are frightened and alone and poor sometimes come to the conclusion that an abortion is the only option. It's not the only option, but they come to that conclusion. They are misled to that conclusion. They are told by their husbands in some cases and their boyfriends, we can't do this, we don't have a choice, you're definitely going to have to abort and that's all there is to it. And then they make this tragic decision and it doesn't have to be and what we ought to be doing is promoting these things more letting people know that they letting women know that they have these choices and taking that money that we spend you know on um on abortions on unfunding abortions and unfunding planned parenthood and put them toward these clinics but instead what you what we're seeing is that these clinics are actually being attacked by the people who are pro-abortion. And it's like, why? I mean, unless they're just absolutely evil, why? Because again, these are the people who argue against, against I'm going to say my side, that we're just, we're just pro-birth and that's all. It's like, well, no, we're actually in favor of these different clinics and we're trying to give these women help. Like, no, you can't do that. Not quite like that. You just have to give them help to get an abortion and that's all. Um, okay, let me check on, on some of your comments. Yeah, I already I already covered the name change in a different video. Uh, I'm not gonna gonna go on that tonight. Um, we have we have a, a topic to discuss already. Sharon says it's a shame that the government made it so easy for women to become welfare recipients for generations. You should hear Star Parker's testimony. She lived it, but God saved her. Hallelujah. I I'm not familiar with with her particular case. Um. But I'm glad to hear it. And I do think that there is a... Well, there is. I mean, there is a concerted effort to make people into sort of welfare dependents or government dependents. Um, I had a woman say to me, I don't know, maybe like a month ago, she said, well, I can't get married because I'm not allowed to. I said, what are you talking about you're not allowed to? She said, well, I'm on disability. And still I'm like, what do you mean you're not allowed to get married? She's like, well, I'll just... I'll lose some of my paycheck if I... I, I just cringed. But it's like, that's the kind of mindset that we have to sort of overcome. That's sort of a, a manifestation of it. Um, Vox Clementis says, the whole thing around abortion is so sad and disgusting. To see these libtard women actually happy they're doing it is sick. Yeah, it is. And I do think that there is a point at which after a woman has, has made this decision that she'll end up coming to regret it. And, you know, you can look at... Actually, I covered an article, I wrote an article about this only, I don't know, a 
couple of months ago, maybe, um, about the, the sort of after effects that it has on a woman. We don't have many studies about this, but the few that we have show like really high uh, suicide rates and that kind of thing. And why that's interesting is because it's the it's a very objective uh, measure of depression. And we're told the, the sort of collective lie almost is, well, these women are empowered after they get an abortion and they can, they can go on and they can live their life as they would have been and they're going to be unaffected, right? Abortion is empowerment. And if they're committing suicide, then they're not empowered, right? They're, they're depressed and they're regretful. They regret their decisions. And that's very different from what they're told they're going to feel when they go through this abortion. They're commonly told, hey, if you have any doubts or anything, it's just your emotionalism that's the case because you're pregnant. And when you end your pregnancy, you'll feel better and you'll be able to sort of move on with your life and not have any problem whatsoever. You'll just be sort of happy from here. Um, feel empowered. Feminism. Go women. Um, that's what they're told. It's absolutely a lie uh, that that our postmodernist society tells. Um, yes, there was a, it was a Finnish study that, because we don't usually study this kind of thing uh, in the United States, of course, because of our political reasons. But uh, again, if you go to my Substack, I did actually write an article all about that, calling it, I think it was called, uh, Is Abortion Really Good for Women? Um, if it's not that, it's very close to that. One sec. <clears throat> All right. So, um, where were we? Oh, I know. Um, I, I do think that the the best retort to the claim that we don't when we're not we don't care about being pro-life past being pro-birth is okay. Okay, let's, well, let's let's go all in. You know, let's take all the money that we spend on abortion right now and redirect it to these clinics that help women, including after they give birth, that help women with their toddlers and with their diapers and the different expenses that they have and all that. Let's do that. And these people just seem not particularly um, enamored with the idea. Well, I did see, um, there was this one statistic I actually ran across earlier today that was kind of disturbing. It was the uh, leading cause of death in, uh, in pregnant women. And here's the study. Um, so you can look it up later. It's called Homicide During Pregnancy and the Postpartum Period in the United States from 2018 to 2019. And it concluded that homicide during pregnancy or within 42 days of the end of pregnancy exceeded all leading causes of maternal mortality by more than twofold. So, in other words, like homicide was the leading cause of death, especially near the end of their pregnancies. Because these women are, in many cases at least, dealing with the fact that their partners want them to get abortions. And you, you read these horror stories about these women who want to, who don't want to get the abortion. And then the men are like, well, I'll be forced to pay child support and that kind of thing. It's like having a, making the choice to actually make a child. That's where the choice takes place, right? Uh, in the marital act. Where after you've made that choice, both of the parties are then bound to take care of the child. That is the moral law, frankly. Um, I mean, forget the legal law, that's the moral law, that both of them then have that obligation to take care of the child. Um, and I know that we've sort of arisen at a society that doesn't even see that, and that's tragic, actually. It's really tragic that we've, we've reached a point where I don't think most people even think it through, um, but that's, that's where we are. Um, Brad says, everything is backwards with the nonsense crew. Empowerment is killing your child. It's disgusting. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I wanted to show you, actually, there's a clip by uh, Whoopi Goldberg from The View. I know how, how you guys love The View. So I thought I'd go ahead and, you know, cue it in for you. Uh, I'm, I'm only half kidding. Okay, you're going to have to go ahead and listen to this, though. On Tuesdays, The View. You are not the person to make that decision. My doctor and myself and my child, that's who makes the decision. Okay, let me just hold right there for a second. All right. Her, her doctor and her child get to make the decision. All right. What's the child's vote? Can I ask? How, how does the child vote? Um, I, 
I mean, seriously, is this, this a hard one? Because I'm pretty sure that I know how the child is going to vote in this case. But if I was the child, I'm like, I, I think I, I, have a, I have an objection here, Whoopi. I have an objection. All right, let's, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play this over again. Hold on. Apparently the volume was low, so I'm going to go ahead and turn that up a little bit. And then we will go ahead and continue. It's on a couple seconds anyway. Today's The View. You are not the person to make that decision. My doctor and myself and my child, that's who makes the decision. And one of the things I really want to point out before we go is the reason abortion came about. Women in this country lived forever with it being illegal, okay? Women, when they decide something is not right for them, they're going to take it into their own hands. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. All right. Because there's, there's, there's so much to unpack here. Firstly, as we just covered, how does the child vote? <laughs> because, I mean, if we're going to factor in that the child has a vote, it should be pretty clear what that vote is. Child votes to live. All of them. All of the unborn children vote to live. But also, slow down a minute because what we're doing right now is we're acknowledging suddenly that it is a child and that's a huge leap you could argue that that's progress i suppose but certainly that's not the typical argument right the the, the typical argument in favor of legalized abortion is that it's not a child yet and there are various incarnations of this it's it's not a child yet because it doesn't have a heartbeat, it's not a child yet because it doesn't have the brainwave activity that I like, It doesn't. it's not a child yet because it doesn't look enough like one under an ultrasound, it's not a child yet because it's not able to function yet outside of the womb, this is for the later stage abortions they came up with this sort of thing, or it's not a child yet because of its location, because it's in the womb and therefore it's, it's in some way dependent and therefore it's not, it's not a child. They get harder to empathize with the later on that they start talking about them. But regardless, that's the typical argument set. What Whoopi is making the argument of is, it is a child. It is a child. It has a vote. We're just ignoring the vote. That's what Whoopi Goldberg is actually saying, that it is, in fact, of some degree of value to the sense that it is a person. And that's that's really different because that's more like saying, it's like going from, it's not a child, sorry, I don't have that particular movement with my arm because I, I had an accident yesterday. In any case, it's like going from, it's not a child to, it is a child, but it's within my body and thus I have the right to kill it. And I'm sorry if that was crass or a little candid, but that's exactly the argument that she's making. Because if it is a child, then your only moral argument, if we can call this a moral argument, your only intellectual argument, I should say, is to say, well, it's within my body, and therefore I have the right to kill it, in the same way that back in the age of slavery, if that slave was on my land, I had the right to do whatever the hell I wanted to do to it. It's exactly the same argument. It's the argument of location um, above anything else, and that location gives you that right. When she was at the end there and she was talking about how abortion got started and everything, I don't know about you guys, but I thought she was about to start talking about Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthoods and how they were setting up in black neighborhoods in order to, you know, push eugenics. I was kind of hoping there was a little part of me that was like, wait a minute, is she going to start talking about that? Um, but I don't think that's where she was going with that. No, she was instead making the argument that because some women will go to extremes in order to kill their children, we should therefore let all women kill their children without consequence. Um, that is the argument. Thank you, Sharon. It wasn't a big deal. I just got into a bike accident. I'm fine. I just messed up my elbow. I did see, I saw an article. Um, it, was, it was good. Yeah, it was Good Morning America. It was and it had a title that said, Leaked Abortion Ruling Draft Marks First in Supreme Court Taking Away Rights. So, in other words, that it was their, perspe their perspective that this is the first time the Supreme Court has ever taken away a right. Now, abortion was never a right. You don't ever have a right to kill. Um, your your child who hasn't done anything to you. It's like, it's, like, it's honestly the most innocent life that 
could exist, right? Because it hasn't been born yet, hasn't even had the chance to do anything yet. Not only is it before the age of reason, it's just before the age of even, you know, crying. So, in any case, abortion was never a right. But even if it was, I mean, the Supreme Court actually has taken away different rights. It's, it's such a nonsensical thing, but this is Good Morning America. This is, you know, a big show. This is something that's sort of a household name. The Supreme Court of the United States took away your right to make your own financial decisions in relation to healthcare. Remember that? Remember the individual mandate when they forced you, if you were too poor to have insurance, they, they forced you then to pay a fine because you didn't have insurance? I remember that. I remember, um, actually I don't remember, I have read about it, but I was not alive at the time, but uh, I think it was in the 80s when um, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act came into effect, and of course that was, we went through Congress and was signed by the President that basically said that you weren't allowed to sue vaccine manufacturers. And the idea was that vaccines would inevitably cause some injuries, to people and therefore you couldn't sue because if you did then we would suddenly have um we would have no vaccine in industry that was the argument we would have no vaccine industry because the vaccines cause too much damage that they injure too many people that was the argument and therefore they had to be protected and there had to be a tax placed on every single vaccine sold in the United States that would go into a special fund called the Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund. And then out of that, we would pay back the families, but those families would also lose the right to due process. And they never opted into any of this. That, that was the argument that went to the Supreme Court because the parents, some parents of injured children, went ahead and said, hold up, um, we have a right to due process. It's literally written the Bill of Rights. Why can't we sue? The Supreme Court upheld the act, thus denying those parents the right to due process. So yeah, the Supreme Court has taken away a few rights here and there. Um, uh, you, you also argue, actually, that I'm going to get carried away with this, but Terry versus Ohio, right? That took away your right to privacy. That was the famous stop and frisk case. Of course, there was the Patriot Act a lot more um, closer to home or a lot more recent, you might say. That went before the court, they upheld this, the Patriot Act as well, so you kind of lost some privacy there too. Um, yeah. And now, getting back to abortion, of course, um, the those on the left are trying to push forth a federal bill in order to enshrine abortion into law. And so far, they have failed at that task. Um, but... It's kind of amazing. They are so anti the entire idea that this might go back to the states. Because that might allow regular people to have too much of an opinion, too much sway, and they know how the people feel about this. And at that point, if it does, if it were to go back to the states, right, then suddenly individual opinions would matter more because you wouldn't have the dictatorship of the Supreme Court to sort of weigh in. And if you think about that, what that means is that suddenly there'll be more of a concerted effort to teach people what abortion really is. Because right now, it doesn't really matter if vast numbers of Americans understand just how barbaric abortion procedures are, because everyone's going to say, well, Supreme Court, it's kind of a done deal. This changes. This changes everything. Because individual Americans and their the degree to which they are informed can change the laws in different states. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of the fact that the fact that when this gets repealed, of you know, for want of a better word, um, then that changes everything. It's like it's it's a it's a hole in the dam, so to speak, and there's not a whole lot that they can do after that. Hold on. Oh, and oh yeah, and Suzanne uh, Susan Collins who usually is one who's kind of um, wishy-washy on more conservative issues. She has been unwilling so far to sign on with the Democrat attempts. I don't usually like talking in terms of Democrat versus Republican, but it is in this case. With the Democrat attempts to pass a bill that would make abortion legal at the federal level. She's been refusing because they haven't had any exception for Catholic hospitals and the Catholic hospitals uh, don't do abortions. So she thinks that's a, an infringement upon religious freedom, which of course it is, and 
we'll see where that goes. I mean, honestly, you would think that everyone would sort of oppose this kind of federal takeover of abortion in this particular case. You would think that human decency would cause you to not want to be someone who would sign your name to that particular bill, to something legalizing abortion nationwide. I would, I would hope that Susan wouldn't just be uh, satiated as soon as there's an exception put in there for Catholic hospitals. I mean, is that really what, the only place you draw your line? I mean, I'm glad that you care about religious freedom, but can we not care about the people too? Can we not care about them as well? I would hope so. I would hope that they have enough value. They, they do to me. And then I want to go ahead and I'm not sure this is going to work, all right, because I haven't done it in about two years, but I want to share a browser with you because I want to show you an article that a friend sent to me and I want to go through it with you. So this may work and it may not. This will be interesting. All right, so I think it works. I think that that seems like it worked. All right, so here we are. Again, haven't done this in years, but anyway, I wanted to do it here. So we're at Substack by uh, Alex Berenson, I think, of Unreported Truths. And this guy goes on about how he believes that abortion is the murder of a human being. He says at the very beginning, um, he doesn't have any dispute about that. And then he says, making abortion illegal in some states will not stop abortion. Okay. If a woman wants to end the life of a fetus, she will find a way to do so. If she can't in her own state, she will travel to a state where abortion is legal. If she can't travel, she will find an illegal provider close by. If she can't do that, she will get a prescription for these different abortive drugs. If she can't do that, she'll drink pennyroyal tea. If she can't do that, maybe she'll try a wire hanger. Meanwhile, rich and even middle-class women will stop at step one, travel to a state where, where abortion is legal. Okay. The thing is, with all of this, you have to say, firstly, not every woman will, so we'll still be saving some lives. And moreover, he said in his very first argument that abortion is the murder of a human being. So, I'm not, I mean, imagine if it was a different type of murder, okay? If it was one person killing another person in a in a regard, and one state had it where it was legal. One state had murder as legal. It was perfectly okay there. Would we really say that the rest of the state should also consent? That the rest of the state should say, you know what, murder will be legal here too because, you know what, otherwise, otherwise people might, you know, drag their victim across state lines over to the other state anyway, and they'll do what they were going to do in the first place. Would we say that? I don't think we would. And so this argument seems just so fundamentally flawed, but it's not the first time that I've heard it. The idea that these women will, they will find a way. Well, if they do, then yeah, maybe they should be prosecuted because we're already talking about making it illegal because we care about the fact that there is a human being here who is, according to him, not even according to me at this point, according to him, being murdered. If you've crossed the line where you've already said that, yes, this is a human being, yes, it's being murdered, then at that point, I don't see how you can at that point say, well, you know what? Um, we're just going to let it go because they might just find some other way to murder. That doesn't make sense to me. And then he goes on and he says, but if abortion is truly murder, we should not stop at banning abortions. We should prosecute both the women who have abortions and the physicians who aid them for murder. Every single one of them, every time. There are no exceptions um, for murderers. That's the ultimate and logical outcome of insisting that abortion is murder. And no one is seriously or even half seriously or even jokingly proposing we put millions of women in jail for murder every year. Well, stop. Okay. On what basis do we say that when we make abortion illegal, that millions of women will continue to abort their children? I don't think that's the case. I think that if we ban abortion, the vast majority of abortions would stop. If we ban abortion and then provide resources that make it easier for women to, you know, to actually raise their kids and to look after their kids and let them know that there are options. If we put the money that we had inside of, you know, in, in the abortion industry and redirected it toward these families to help them to raise their kids, we would 
be in better shape. We wouldn't have millions of women, as he puts it, in jail for murder every year. It's not an argument that's actually congruent. So yeah, you can say we should put these women in jail if, after we've made it clear that these are the consequences of doing this, and yes, it is murder, and we've done the actual re-education, and by that I mean the literal terms, we have told people what really happens in the case of abortion. We've done everything that we can to educate people away from the Planned Parenthood level arguments where it's like, these aren't really human lives. Like, no, actually they are. They have their own blood supply. This is life. It is growing. How do you tell somebody and convince them? How do you know that an abortion was successful? You know because the baby is dead. That's how you know. So this is a human life. What is the woman pregnant with? She's pregnant with a child. Just listen to Whoopi Goldberg who talked earlier about her child because we all actually know that that is what we're talking about right so if we all know that's what we're talking about and we educate people exactly where life begins and this isn't even a religious argument it's a scientific one we know at this point that that is where life begins then you have to come back he is right the ultimate and logical outcome of insisting that abortion is is murder is then to go and say okay so now we ban the murder and now we say that those who continue to murder in violation of the law when it is particularly difficult at this point because there are no longer clinics offering it will be prosecuted you're absolutely right that that, that is logical and then he goes on in this uh, article and says, that's as close to the truth as I can get it. Abortion is a very private murder, a murder for which the state has no responsibility and cannot interfere. It is a decision even more personal than being vaccinated. It is the ultimate betrayal of a child by the woman who carries him and perhaps by the man who impregnated her too. It is a tragedy. Um, yes, yes, it is a very private murder. However, it is absolutely a murder in which the state can interfere. It can ban it, and by banning it, the state can save lives and, and can defend, if you like, if you like the rights-based argument, can defend the rights of those children that they would have never had. Remember, when you murder a child, you prevent every right that it would have had. You prevent every family member it would have ever created, every child it would have created, every decision it would have exerted, it would have chosen. All of that is ended all at once. There is there's nothing quite equivocal, equivalent to it. And it says it's a decision even more personal than being vaccinated. I, I don't even know what that means exactly. I mean, they're both... Um, I mean, one is, one is murder and one is... Uh, I guess if it's not mandated vaccination, then it's just you know a medical procedure. If it's mandated, then it's an assault upon your person. Uh, so that's that's the way that it is. But yes, abortion is the ultimate betrayal of a child by the woman who carries him. Uh, there's no argument here. It's like it's odd to hear a person go ahead and say yes. Intrinsically, this whole thing is true. That this is a murder. This was a child, and yet. We're just going to look the other way because it's convenient. And ultimately, I think that's what we're kind of drawing the line at here. He doesn't want to go out and say, okay, because it's murder, I'm going to have to take the next step and say, therefore, we must prosecute those who do this after, after we've made it a crime. And I will. I mean, he says that nobody's saying this, but actually, yes, yes, I will. I will go ahead and stand here and say that. I do think we need to educate women as to what they're doing. I do think we need to allocate resources that make it easier for children to, sorry, for women to raise children, despite whatever circumstances the child was born in. It's a child, it's a human life with value and dignity and worth. And we absolutely ought to do whatever we can to support these kids who are made in the image and likeness of God. All that is the case. And then he says, is it a sin? Only God can judge sin. Come on, come on, guys. He just said it was murder. This isn't hard. It's not hard at all. And so to 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 the friend who who sent me that, uh, there you go. I hope that that adequately uh, covers uh, my my opinion on that entire case. And you know he's not alone in his uh, view of that. I suppose that the author that is. I I however fail to see how a person can go ahead and say yes, yes, it's murder, but. But it's too inconvenient. All right. Um, 
let's go ahead and let's see what time it is. All right, so we've got another 10 minutes or so, so give me a sec here. Yeah. Yes, it is especially hard in the case of rape victims, um, for sure. It's a lot more complicated. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of suffering there. She she didn't actually make the choice, right? Because we always talk about the pro-choice, and um, that's when the woman makes the choice. However, it also comes down to: was this child actually a child? Does this child actually have dignity? Does it actually matter? Does it matter before God? Does it matter before us? Do we have the decency to say, no matter how you were made, no matter under what violent circumstances you were made, you are still a good person, you are not defined by that act in which you were made, and you have value. Are we as a society capable of saying that? And I think we should be. There is, um, there's a, there's a woman who I came to meet online a couple of years ago, and she told me that her child uh, had been conceived in that uh, violent and evil way. And she had decided to go ahead and have the child. And she did. And she showed me a picture of her child, her son, who is an adult now, and was holding his son. So it was now her grandson that was there in this world because of her decision. And she she and I talked for a while and she expressed to me that it's like ultimately these people who are arguing and saying hey you know except for if it's a rape then it's then it's okay to have the abortion like okay there's I can understand the the sort of moral impulse to sort of jump and say okay this woman needs to be defended I get that I completely get that at the same time as she expressed to me who's gonna look at her son in the eye and say you're not a real person on what basis do we argue that? And ultimately, if you're going to say that these abortions are okay, then you have to also say um, these children aren't really people. I'm not willing to sit here before you and say these people don't have value, they're not real people. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not Christian at all. Um, no, I have not seen the infograph tying Roe with climate change. I have not. Um, I have already covered the name change in a different video. Um, no, I didn't get married. Um, or divorced. Uh, that's not what this was. You can go look at the video, um, and I've said all that I want to say on it. I don't want to distract away from this particularly important message tonight with that massive distraction, which is what it is. Um, Coolroy says the Democrats only care about abortion for population control. They don't care about individual liberty in general. They don't care about individuals in general. They don't. They, they, they care about collectives and they care about classes uh, and all of that. Um, Harry, it's called I Am Sarah King. It was a couple of videos ago. Um, I, I, I will say, this is not name related, this is back, back to uh, abortion. We have declining birth rates in the Western world, the United States, Britain, Australia, Canada, all of these sort of what we consider to be most civilized countries, right, let's be honest here, uh, those countries are not properly um, producing kids. Our families aren't having kids. We're avoiding it for as long as possible and having smaller families than ever before. And the left have been telling us that the fix for this is just to bring in immigrants. That's the fix. and. That's not the fix. That's how you that's how you fix a erase our culture by bringing in different people from around the world to replace our people to engage in population replacement. That's not what we want. The um, the country of Hungary decided to try something different, and that was really inter interesting. It was uh, what's his name? Is it Victor Orban? I think um, he decided to take these families and reward them for having kids. If you had like a married couple, uh, you'd get essentially a monetary benefit 
for having children within that marriage. And because of that, their birth rates are actually going up. I'm probably going to do a little one of those mini videos about this at some point with more facts in it because I'm going to go off the top of my head right now. But he's actually had progress over there in Hungary doing that model. And that's been something that our left have told us is not actually possible. That's been what we've been told repeatedly, that this cannot be done, that instead the more civilized and developed, I think developed is the term they use, the more developed a society is, the lower the birth rate is because people are just comfortable and they don't need kids to go ahead and, you know, plow the farms or anything. So therefore they don't have kids and therefore we need to bring in more immigrants and that's the solution. This, the president of Hungary proved that wrong an experimentation to see, okay, what if we instead didn't have abortion and if we instead incentivized real families, what would really happen? And we actually have some statistics from this showing that the consequences are actually very good, that these people do have families uh, when they're incentivized with, I think they use the tax system to uh, give people money when they, uh, when they meet these different requirements. Yes, and they kept their culture, exactly. They didn't have, they weren't importing people in order to decimate their own culture in the, in the hopes that bringing in a labor force would in some way be enough because the people who want to do this are people who simply do not care about culture, certainly not ours, and are the sort of, all cultures are equally beautiful people. And it's like, no, sorry, um, but that's not actually how the real world works. Instead, our society is better in certain ways. The West was better. Certainly Christendom was better. That's not to say that we're on the best foundation right now. Um, but regardless, uh, we, we do not need to bring in people from the second and third world in order to fix our problems. That doesn't fix our problems. Instead, it escalates those problems and it causes our people to run in conflict with a foreign culture. What we need is to bring back our culture to get back to some of our tradition that we have lost. Jonathan Lewis says Hungary is not taking in immigrants. Orban doesn't want Hungarians to disappear. Right, exactly, and good for him. You know, I mean, and he's always getting flack. I think uh, it's not just that particular policy that he has that's great. I believe, if I'm not mistaken here, I hate to add this much on air, but I, I'm pretty sure that he's also in, in Hungary doing the thing where they're banning LGBT. Um, indoctrination for kids. Pretty sure that's the case there too, because they've got that going on there and also in Russia, which of course is the big bad guy right now, um, according to what we're supposed to say on these platforms. Um, and then there's Poland, which is doing it to a lesser degree, but I'm pretty sure Hungary is one of those that's saying, actually, you're not going to indoctrinate our kids by having like homosexual scenes inside of kids programming. We're not going to allow that. And that's also a good thing. Uh, so... Yeah, there's, there's some stuff to like about Hungary. I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous in some ways of that because that's the sort of thing that you just, over here seems so unlikely, right? You know, it, it, can you even imagine, I mean, realistically speaking, can you imagine us actually passing a law that said, you know what, Disney can't put gay scenes inside of its movies and its TV shows because we're not going to allow that crap. We're not going to allow you to expose our kids. Maybe 30 years ago, you could have had that. Like 30 years ago, we actually, you know, pressed charges against people for exposing children to that kind of thing and contributing to their delinquency. Yeah, we, we did all of that. Not now, though. Now it's, the, how can you be so homophobic? That's how t times have changed in a very short period, I would say. Um, well, CRT is forbidden. Well, yes, well, CRT is much less, that is, uh, critical race theory is much less of a problem over in, in, in Hungary and that part. Uh, John Boy Sr. says, Elon Musk knows what's going on with population. Yeah, I did actually see a clip with him. It's been quite a while where he was kind of talking crap about um, Bill Gates and Bill Gates saying, oh, we've got too big of a population. He's like, no, we have a real problem with population. And, and if you look at the data, that, that is the case. That if you look at the developed countries, you don't see uh, the correct amount of growth. You really don't. We, we have a problem and we're ignoring it. And instead saying, just abort as many of your kids as, as, as you want. Just abort them all the time until, you, until just the right time is, is right, you know, with the women in their mid-40s. Um, that's the way we're going. In any case, all right, guys. So we have reached the hour point and we did talk about this topic, I think, uh, pretty thoroughly. I do want to say thank you for joining me tonight. I always appreciate it when you when you join me for these things. I do like doing this. 
and I want to give uh, thanks to the people who who, who watch my, my shows, not just the live streams, but also uh, the mini shows as well. Uh, those who keep me in prayer, I do appreciate that. I, I really do, and I need them. Uh, those who donate to support the show, to literally make it possible for me to keep living and surviving and doing this. And those who just send emails and in some cases letters to the PO box and everything, encouraging me to continue this work. Um, it all comes together to make everything um, to make it all possible to keep me going. So I hope you know uh, that I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much and have a wonderful night, all of you. Okay, bye-bye.